All right, so starting over. That's where we are this week. Uh, the first week, I, I basically said it's not anything that you should be afraid of. It's not anything that you should be scared to do or regretful to do. Starting over is simply a chance to put things that have either ended on their own because it was time for them to end or ended badly. Uh, it's a chance to put those things behind and, and to do something new. And uh, when you start over, it is a great sign that you're still alive Amen. and that you're still here and that you still have a purpose in this life. Um, and and I, I gave you a little bit of my back, background about uh, going on college spring break and, and uh, having grown up in church and turned my life back over to God and turning my life back into uh, what I knew it should have been because of my senior year I went crazy. Uh, and while I was on college spring break in the middle of all the MTV festivities that go on during that, um, I found Jesus, <laughs> and, and he, he, it's a kind of a crazy place to find him, but I was sitting at the La Playa Inn in Daytona Beach, uh, just coming back from a, from a spring break taping of Club MTV with downtown Julie Brown, and, um, and changed my life. And um, so uh, it's not anything to be uh, ashamed of, it's not anything that you should be scared of, you should be embracing a chance to start over all the time. All right, uh, last week we talked about uh, starting over with God. You know, sometimes uh, this becomes a painful process to people because they think, well, you know, I've kind of been around church and around the things of God for a long time, and, and uh, I just don't seem to have it like, you know, this person does or like that person does. And, and uh, we, we kind of make a, a mistake in thinking that um, our life is supposed to be like somebody else's. But our walk with God is our own walk with God, and nobody else can dictate that. And uh, if somebody else is allowing, is dictating what your walk with God looks like, then they're living for God through you. And you should be able to live for God on your own. And, 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 and that means sometimes you're going to rebuild plenty of times. You're going you're to start over with God multiple times. I know I have in the 32 years that I've been saved. Uh, I've started over with God multiple times multiple times. And so last week we talked about um, in that process of starting over with God that the first thing we need to do is be quick to repent. Uh, you know, we should run to God when we do things wrong instead of trying to hide from God. You know, I didn't say this last week, but there was a guy in the Bible that did, that did um, try and hide when he messed up with God. And, uh, and God came looking for him. You know, in the, in the garden, uh, when Adam and Eve sinned, they went and hid. Because they're ashamed of themselves. And the thing is, is I don't believe that God didn't know where they were. I, I think God, when he said, Adam, where are you? I think he was doing some interaction there, um, just to have some interaction with his, with his children. And uh, he came, and, and, and Adam tried to blame it on everything else instead of owning what he did and repenting. And the thing is, is that the sooner we repent and own what we did as being wrong the sooner God can move us past that. You know, I told you the story of my little boy that went to school and kicked somebody, and they sent him home, or when he came home that day, and so we had to start telling him, Preston, no kicking. And so then a couple of weeks went by, and then he hit somebody, and so we're like, okay, no kicking and no hitting. 
And then, you know, eventually the list got so long, it was like no biting, no hitting, no kicking, no pinching, no spitting on people, no wiping boogers on people. I mean, it was just this big, long, humongous list of, of things that he wasn't supposed to do. And eventually it got to the point where he started understanding that those things were wrong. And now he runs and tells us when he does something wrong. Because he understands that if there is something that's done wrong, the sooner he can get it out of the way, the sooner he doesn't have to worry about it anymore. You know, and you see little kids like this all the time. They know when they're in trouble. And they give you that look like, you know, did you see that or did you? And so we need to own, if we did it, own it. Just admit it and repent for it and be quick about it. Because as soon as you repent, the sooner God can forgive you and move that out of your past, onto your past, all right? The next thing I want to talk to you about today is uh, be quick to forgive. And uh, actually, I told you to go to uh, Romans chapter 8. Let's go to Mark chapter 11 first. Mark chapter 11. There's, there's, there's quite a bit of content when you start talking about forgiveness um, because immediately you start thinking of other people. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and when you say the word forgive, you're like, I really don't want to forgive. <laughs> But in Mark chapter 11, verse number 25, this is Jesus talking here, and uh, this is important. Uh, Verse 25 says, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, verse 26, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. How many of you know that if God hasn't forgiven your trespasses, he's not obligated to answer your prayers? He's not obligated to forgive you of your sins. He's not obligated to do anything for you if he's not forgiven your trespasses. Now, if starting over, now I said to you during the first week that one of the steps in starting over is allowing yourself to be happy. Remember when I said that? I said, you know, in, in this day and age, it's almost like you're, you're guilty if you're happy because there's so many people out there that are, are hurting and are going through things in their life and are, are having hard times, and I know there's hard times going on out there. I totally believe that. I see that. I have compassion on those people. But that does not dictate what I'm happy, what makes me happy. What dictates making me happy is me fulfilling the call of God on my life doing what God's called me to do, all right? But if allowing yourself to be happy is part of the process of starting over, let me say this to you. You can't be happy with unforgiveness towards someone else. It is impossible to do, okay? Now, most of us are drawn to things that make us happy. Anybody really ever been drawn to something that just made you miserable? (laughs) It never happens. It's not like, you know, we all love going to the dentist. Come on now. <laughs> it's like you go to the dentist because they're going to drill around, pick around your teeth and, and those kind of things. And you're just like, yes, I can't wait to go and have my face feel like it's sliding down. I can't wait to go and feel the drill. And I can't wait to go and hear that. I can't wait. No, nobody is drawn to that. Because you know how you're going to feel afterwards. <laughs> We're drawn to things that make us happy. And sometimes it's our favorite TV show. Sometimes it's hanging out with people that we love. Uh, sometimes it's, you know, 
curling up on the couch and reading a book or going on a trip somewhere or, you know, whatever it is, these things that we're drawn to uh, are things that make us happy. And uh, this would seem to indicate that we're driven towards seeing greater levels of happiness. All right? So if happiness is what really, and even the people that accuse people of being happy of, you know, that's bad for you, those people are looking for happiness in their life. If happiness is really what we're looking for, holding the hurts done to us by other people cannot make us happier. Now we may sit there and say, you don't understand what they did to me, you may want to explain it to everybody else, and I get that and I understand that, but listen, you have to forgive those people for what they've done to you to the point where you actually want nothing to happen to them because of what they did to you. It has to become a non-issue. If you're going to start over with God, then the things that people have done to you have to become a non-issue. You have to get to the point where you say, I forgive them, and I don't want anything bad to happen to them because of what they did to me. Now, let me clarify something here. That doesn't mean that you have to go and be their best friend. (laughs) A lot of people misunderstand that. Listen, having forgiveness for somebody doesn't mean that me and you are going to be chums again. Listen, you're the one. I'm the one that had to pull the knife out of my back this long that you stuck in there lacerating my kidney and my spinal cord and all these other You did all that to me. But you know what? I hope nothing happens to you because of that. Now, we, I ain't going to walk around my back to you anymore. Amen. That doesn't mean that we have to become friends with them. That doesn't mean that we have to get close to them. But listen, I am still, what you did to me is a non-issue. And I pray that nothing happens to you because of that. And that means you really pray that nothing happens to you, not you're just saying that to get at them. Oh, I pray nothing happens to you because of what you did to me. Y'all know what I'm talking about? (laughs) You really mean it. This is what true forgiveness is. Listen, Jesus hanging on the cross after look and looking down at the people that beat him and spat on him, pulled his beard from his face. Listen, my my five-year-old can pull some hair. My two-year-old is getting there. They're learning. I don't know where they, they learn these things, but listen, if, if they just, you know, grab, uh, they love my glasses. Both of them love my glasses for some reason. I, I wear glasses, you know, I got contacts in today, and, and they'll both reach for my glasses. But sometimes they'll grab, you know, a sideburn or two and yank, and that hurts. <laughs> I can't imagine having a big Italian soldier ripping handfuls of beard out. I mean, it's bad enough just, you know, Pulling a Band-Aid off. Jesus went through this kind of pain, and they spat on him, and they treat, and he's st- still hanging on the cross. Says, "Lord, Father, forgive them, because they don't know what they're doing." What's he saying? Is listen, this I, don't lay any of this on them. Forgive them for what they're doing to me. This is what true forgiveness is. Now, I'm going I'm to show you a little example this morning, if that's okay. All right. And I'm going to use Danny. Come on up here for a second, please, because you're small. And bring a chair. Bring a chair with you. All right? Now, this doesn't, again, this doesn't mean that you have to be friends with people. Let's turn it this way. Have a seat. All right? Danny's our little drummer boy. (laughs) And um, 
Danny was also one of my students at Rama uh, in Oklahoma. And now, um, um, what happens when most people get offended and hurt by somebody? All right. First thing is they, is the first. I'm going to straighten you up just a little bit. Um, first thing is the first what I call the three R's, and it's not reading, writing, arithmetic. The first one is resentment. Resentment's going to happen. Listen, that is a disagreement between me and you. Jesus had resentment. Paul had resentment. Guess what? We have resentment. It's just happening. It's something that happens in our lives. All right? But when you don't forgive, you move into the other two R's, which is this. After resentment comes resistance, and resistance if you stay there, leads to revenge. Now, here's what, well, here's what happens. When you're in resistance to somebody, we do that because we are trying to maintain control of our lives so we don't get hurt anymore. Okay? You don't want to talk to them anymore. You see them coming, you turn and walk away, you know. You know what I'm talking about? You might, you know, yeah? You know, you husband and wives, you know, you have those disagreements, and you're like, fine, I'm sleeping on the couch. It's like camping anyway. Am I the only one that says that? Okay. Um, maybe she's sleeping on the couch. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> so we put up this wall to try and maintain some kind of control. But what is really happening when you resist somebody out of unforgiveness, you're still giving them all control. Now, here's what I needed Danny for. I want you to put your hands out like this. And I want you to resist me. Okay? And you trust me. Okay, all right. So when we resist somebody and they come into our lives, who's got control here? Him who's doing the resisting or me that he's resisting? Don't re- you resist, all right? Who's got control here, me or him? I do. Now think about this. When you're, I got you. Uh, when you're in resistance to somebody, somebody can say their name and ruin your day. Come on now. Why? Because you haven't forgiven them. You're still hoping bad things happen to them for what they did to you. Okay? And so this becomes toxic. And this is where we start plotting our revenge to get back at them. Because we ain't forgiven them. All right? Now, at this point, I could dump Danny on over or I can let him back down easy. But the moment he forgives me, Okay, again, we may never be close again, but the resistance is gone. Resistance is gone. Gone. Now, who's got control here? Danny or me? He's not going to get hurt anymore. Why? Because the forgiveness has taken all that away. Now, there's not going to be any revenge for me on him. And now he, see, what happens is when you get your revenge, then they go into the three R's and it becomes this big circle. And this is how feuds and things like that that last forever happen because of no forgiveness. Okay, thank you. You can go sit down. All right, take that with you. All right. This is a powerful thing to forgive somebody else. I talked to a guy one time and his his wife had um his wife and he had had been divorced for a while. Uh and I asked him, you know, we were pretty good friends. I said, "What happened? You know, you guys were married for a long time. You know, I had their kids in youth group." Uh, you know, I just, I finally just said, you know, I didn't really say anything while it was going on, but you know, you, you've been divorced for what, what happened? And he said, she, she had an affair and the guy that she had an affair with actually worked with him. They were 
they knew each other very well. And they still worked together. <laughs> and they still saw each other every day. And this guy would look at him and, and, and still say hi. <laughs> and, still, and I'm just like, dude, how, how can you do that? And he said, believe me, I'm not asking him if he wants to go fishing on Friday. I'm not asking him if he wants to go to the movies with me. I'm not asking if he wants to hang out and be my friend. But I have to forgive him for what he's done. And I was like, that is a, that is a powerful illustration that you're living for other people to see. And he goes, it's even more prevalent with her. When I see her, I still hug her. I still say, hey, I still pray for her. I still hope things are going good for her. I could never live with her again. <laughs> but I have forgiven her. I was like, that's unbelievable. How can you do that? And he goes, because that's what Jesus did for me. He forgave me because I did far worse than that. So that's the first part of forgiveness. You have to forgive other people to the point that you pray nothing bad happens to them for what they did to you. All right? The second thing is you must forgive yourself. Romans chapter 8, verse number 1. This is where we were going to go originally. says this. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. This is the New Living Translation. Now listen, I understand that nothing is more frustrating than when you say you're going to do something and you really have the best intentions of doing it and then you don't do it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to quit smoking. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to treat my spouse better. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And we make all these, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to get up at five o'clock in the morning and read the Bible. I'm going to, and we just keep doing, we're making these things, these statements that we're going to do and we end up not doing them. And we get frustrated and mad and we start talking to ourselves like, you big dummy. <laughs> all right? I know that we all want to get to the point where we don't have to do these things anymore that are such a struggle that they need to become an auto automatic thing. And I understand that. I know that we want to get to the point where some of these things that we're, you know, these lofty ambitions we have are are more uh, habits that we could just, when you think about, we just do. All right? The thing is, is in that process, there's a lot of messing up that goes on. If you don't forgive yourself, you can't start again to try it again. If you live in a state of unforgiveness to yourself, you will stay right where you are. You must forgive yourself and that is the hardest thing to do. First Peter chapter 2, verse number 24 says this, um, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. And then he says, by his wounds you have been healed. Now I want you to check out what this verse says. He himself bore our sins. Which means this, he took the things we did wrong himself. Right? Another translation says this, that we should die to the sins whose collected guilt Christ carried away in his death. 
Now think about this. The reason you have to forgive yourself is because you are not built to carry that. There's only been one person that was built to carry it, and when he carried it, it killed him. Our sins were placed squarely upon Jesus Christ so that when he died, he carried those away. And that's why we shouldn't be carrying them around anymore. That's why when we blow it and we own the mistake and repent, what's happening? We're laying what we did wrong off on them. That's why we have to forgive ourselves because we're laying what we did wrong on him again, which is what he was here for. That's the whole reason he came to this earth. All right? I understand there are consequences for our actions. And I understand that some people are going to have to pay those consequences. Um, But not forgiving yourselves is not a consequence of your actions. If you're a Christian and you're rebuilding your life, you've already been forgiven for your sins. And if you carry around that guilt that for, for this day that you've blown it, if you keep carrying that guilt around, you're carrying around something that doesn't belong to you. And the more you carry that around, the more problems it causes for you. Now, I want to clarify this because there's a lot of crazy stuff being said out there in the the world today about grace and, and not worrying about it and stuff like this. I said this to you guys last week. We should not be so worried about the sins that we commit that we're sin conscious. I don't believe that. I don't think we should be carrying that around like that. But I do believe that we should be aware when we do something wrong. Why? Not just because we should be worried about God striking us dead. You know, I grew up in a Pentecostal church and I was always worried about if you did something so wrong, God's going to strike you down. Anybody else hear that when you were growing up? <laughs> I mean, I was so concerned about that. And the thing is, is I, and I'm not saying that God doesn't judge because he's the only one that can. And there's a coming a day that we are going to stand before God where we will be judged. Okay, but I believe the reason that that we shouldn't be carrying that stuff around is because it causes more problems for us as individuals. When you carry around guilt and you don't forgive yourself and you just beat yourself down all the time, you're actually creating more problems for your life than what the sin actually is. Why? Because Jesus already took care of that sin. He carried it away. If you can't forgive yourself, then you're carrying around something that doesn't belong to you. How many of you know if you take something that doesn't belong to you, there's a whole other problem coming? I mean, it's bad enough that you took it to begin with, but when you keep it, <laughs> there's, it, it just compounds. It doesn't belong to you anymore. Jesus carried it away. Right? Forgiving yourself is not, it's not the same as not being accountable. Forgiving yourself is releasing yourself from the, from the guilt of mistakes that you've made. That doesn't mean that we can just run around and do whatever we want. I told you this story last week when I got pulled over by the police for the first time. And I was nervous wreck, 16 years old, 87 Firebird, coming back from Charleston, West Virginia. And driving back, and I get pulled over, 67 in a 55. Excuse me, 76 and a 65. And uh, 
I'm, I'm freaking out. I'm scared to death. I'm 16. I know what's going on. The guy comes up. Is this your first, you know, first time you've ever been pulled over? Yes. He's like, all right, well, listen, get out of here. Don't let me catch you up here again. Now, he didn't let me go saying, go ahead and speed on off. Burn out while you're going. He was saying, <laughs> you've, you've been caught and you're wrong, but I'm letting you off with a warning. Now, now go. Now, if I didn't, if you look at this in the sin aspect, I could have just sat there and said, I, I'm not going to drive again until I can totally figure this out. I actually put the car in drive and took off again and stayed under the speed limit. See, this is what accountability does. It helps you keep your focus so that you don't do it again. It's not okay to go and do it again. It is it is, it's not okay to go and do it again. It is not okay for you to carry that guilt around either. You've been freed from the guilt, but now you need to be held accountable. Forgiving yourself is not the same as not being accountable for things you did wrong. It's releasing yourself from the guilt of mistakes that you've made. Being accountable is the steps you take to make them not happen again. Until you forgive yourself... You cannot start over. Starting over only comes from guilt being removed. All right? Lastly, we'll wrap this up today. Not only should you be quick to repent, you should be quick to forgive yourself and others. Be quick to rebuild. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, we read... These words in verse number 24. Then David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and went into her and lay with her. So she bore a son, and he called his name Solomon. Now the Lord loved him. And he sent word by the, by the hand of Nathan the prophet, so he called his name uh, Jedidiah because of the Lord. Now listen, this is the, here, what we read here is this part of the story. Last week we know that David was where he wasn't supposed to be. And he saw Bathsheba, he made a mistake. We know that Nathan came to him and said, you know, you're the man, you're the sinner, you've done wrong. David falls on his face and cries before God. Releases himself from the guilt and goes on about his business. Now we know the consequences of his actions were this, that she was pregnant and the baby that they had, if you don't know this story, they, he, made her, he got her pregnant and... The consequences of their sin was the baby died. And he s- sobbed, and, and we, we know what happened. And, 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 and he, 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 he laid on the ground and sobbed and put on sackcloth and ashes, and then they came and told him, your baby's dead. He got up, went and cleaned himself off, and this is where we pick up the story. We pick up the story right here, that he's already, for, he's already repented of his sin, he's already been forgiven of his sin, and now he's going to rebuild from his sin, and that's where we pick up this story here. He goes and starts doing the right thing now. He's married to Bathsheba, and so he goes and rebuilds his life by having, come on, another baby. Listen. When you've done something wrong, don't stop moving. Don't sit still. Don't let that, what you, the mistakes you've made sideline you and, don't, and keep you from doing something. Get up and start doing the right thing right now. 
you cannot have the life that you want to have unless you start building it now. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 says this, Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and in the floodwaters rise and, and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. You can't just stop because you've failed. You can't just stop because you've messed up. You can't just stop because you've, you've done things that you're ashamed of. Listen, all of us have. I've been ashamed of things that I've done in my life for a long time. I've, I've got things in my life and, and in my past that I'm just like, I can't believe I ever did that. And if anybody ever found out about it, they'd never talk to me again. Oh my gosh. I mean, everybody has those things. But I got up and I built my life back on something that would stand. Failure is simply the opportunity to begin again, but this time more intelligently. That's Henry Ford. Failure is simply the opportunity to begin again. It's time for some of you to rebuild. Some of you have had dreams and goals and visions and, and things that you've wanted to do with your life, but you have not started rebuilding that again because of some mistake you made in your past. There are things that you've wanted to do that uh, have, 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 have been sidetracked. Now is the time to start rebuilding. You have to be quick about it. Put your life on the foundation that doesn't shake. Put your life on, on a foundation that when you get knocked down or you knock yourself down, the foundation is still there. My uncle has an has a, uh, a, a, a old southern-style mansion in Maryland, just outside of Washington, D.C. Now, when I say uh, it's a, a southern-style mansion, uh, originally the foundation of the house was poured during the Revolutionary War. All right? And then around the Civil War, they, they knocked it down and left the, the foundation in the basement and built a gone-with-the-wind, southern-style mansion on top of it. Now, this thing sits on 600 acres and just on the Potomac River, just outside of Washington, D.C. It's beautiful. Someday I'll show you some pictures. Uh, and, uh, I mean, this is the history of this house. When he first bought this house, the state of Maryland told him, they said, you cannot change hardly anything because of the historical value in this house. When you go into this house, uh, I mean, literally, you feel like you're walking in, like, the Haunted Mansion at Disney World. I mean, it's like, it's so old. I mean, the floors are, like, creaking, and there's, like, a, a Steinway piano from the 1800s in there. I mean, it's, I mean, it's like a museum. You just walk in, and it's like, oh, my gosh. And he goes, well, let's go underneath, because this is what I really want to show you. And we go down in the basement of the house. And, I mean, the, the, you know, the basement is, you know, bricks and mortar that, you know, you'd think, 200 and some years old, there's just, I mean, it's as hard and solid as it ever was. And, and I don't know what, what the floor is. I, don't, I can't believe they had concrete back then. Like we, you know, I can't think of a truck coming out there and pulling the lever. And it, I mean, they're, they're mixing it themselves. You know what I mean? It's, it's the, and, and, and then the floorboards and the, and the floor joists are hand-hewn out of trees. And you can see because they're wavy, you know, where they just did it themselves. 
All right? And this house is, and, 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 you know, I mean, and this is all built by the slaves. And it's, and it's, it's, it's a story. I mean, history just, just reaps, reeks out of this thing. And that house has, has stood through hurricanes that have hit the East Coast, storms, the, 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 actually, the front part of the hill that goes down, there, listen, he's a multimillionaire. He, his, his construction firm rebuilt the Pentagon after 9-11. That's what they do for a living, all right? But their front yard is a quarter mile long down to the river, and there's this big hill that goes down like this, and, and part of that started to wash away, and Paul had to go and, and redo all of it, had to pack new dirt in and build a retaining wall and all kinds of stuff to hold it all up there. But when you, he said when he first came up there, all of it was just washed down and you could still see that basement and foundation just sticking out of the side of the hill. Why? Because it's a foundation that doesn't shake. It was a foundation that was built well. And listen, no matter what's going on in your life, if you will be quick to rebuild on the right thing, there are things that are going to come and trials that are going to face you. You'll knock yourself down. You'll slip and fall. But listen, if you rebuild and you're quick about it, the next storm that comes doesn't knock you nearly as far. Why? Because the foundation is still there. The foundation is still underneath you. And that's why it's quick to, be, to rebuild. That's why we should be fast about it. It's undestroyable. It's unshakable. It's unsinkable. It can't go anywhere else. Why? Because he holds everything in his hands. And if you will build your life on that and be quick about it, the next storm that comes, the next trial that comes, you won't have to start over at the point that you've started over this time. Your life will go forward. Amen. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I'm done. Father, thank you for our time together today.